This is Archive Atlanta, Episode 34, Cascade Mansion and the Willis House. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lamos. Hey guys, happy Friday. I've said this many times before, but the best part of this journey has been the people it connects me to. But before even having a podcast, I still managed to befriend complete strangers all the time that share the love of history with me. One of those memorable experiences was taking a tour with Lieutenant Colonel Perry Bennett Jr. What was proposed as a one-hour guided tour through Cascade Nature Preserve to discuss the Battle of Utoy Creek turned into three hours deep in the woods with my three-year-old and a carrier on my back. (laughs) And I've told this story before, but if you spend any time with Perry, his passion for military history is so contagious, it was the first time in my life that I was learning about the Civil War and really enjoying it. So fast forward to a few weeks ago when another history friend, Chad, was gracious enough to set up a time for us to come see Perry's two historic homes and learn all about them. And the same process repeated itself, in the sense that, three hours later, we were still talking about history well into the evening, but I know that we all had a great time, and it was really special for me, and I know that not all of you can come on these tours, so I'm going to do my best today to have a quick episode to hopefully share some of the really cool stories that I heard, and at least maybe you can drive by and take a look at these houses. One of these homes holds the title as the oldest home in Atlanta, and the other one is not far behind. And both, I would wager, are homes that you've never heard of. So let's start with the area of southwest Atlanta that we're talking about, um, where these two homes sit. They're really close to each other. As I learned, this land had been in use for the last 4,000 years. Known as the Utoy Creek Valley, the Muscogee called this land home for the majority of that time. And I think I've mentioned this before, but just a refresher is that the, basically the white man has renamed the Muscogee um, Loose Confederation of Tribes as the Creek Indians. So the word Utoy is actually a Creek word meaning boundary. And this area of Atlanta was the boundary between the Creek and the Cherokee lands. It's the earliest place of European settlement in Atlanta, and it contains Cascade Road, which a portion of it is or was the Sandtown Road. I mentioned Sandtown in East Atlanta episode, but it's really the earliest roads that we laid in this new city, and it was laid upon a Native American trail. Sandtown Road follows the earliest of the creeks east to west trails across the state. An interesting tidbit, this area was first visited by the Spanish. Um, And then did you guys know there's a rumor that the first gold found in North America was in Georgia? I did not. Um, And it was not in Dahlonega. So the first state of Georgia historian claims that it was found near present-day Villarica. The Spanish named Villarica because it pretty much translates to rich village. Colonel Perry is full of these fun little tidbits of, you know, why we say this and why we say that. So that was really interesting for me to learn. But let's start with the Cascade Mansion, the youngest of these two houses. Sitting at 1530 Dodson Drive, the land was owned by Dr. Joshua Gilbert. He was the first doctor in the area, and it would make sense that they would have given him some land because having a doctor in a rural area, whether you're a native or European settler, is really a huge pro. 
Gilbert's home was located in the current-day Cascade Nature Preserve, and it survived until the Battle of Utoy Creek when it was destroyed. Now, he built the Cascade Mansion that I'm talking about today as a wedding gift for the marriage of his daughter, Elizabeth Gilbert, and her husband, Dr. William F. Poole. Poole graduated from the Atlanta Medical College to become a surgeon in the Confederate Army, and he returned to Atlanta um, just before the war ended where he was assistant surgeon. If you know your dates, this structure was built just one year before the start of the Civil War. And again, Atlanta would not see action until the end of the conflict, but we know it's really rare for a private home to have survived, and it was most likely used as a headquarters or, you know, something like that. This house was the headquarters for Confederate Major General William Bate during the Battle of Utoy Creek, which took place in August of 1864. Now, I use the words most likely... Because the Civil War maps and records list Bates' headquarters as the head house. And this is where having an army colonel give you a tour really comes in handy. The head house was down on the banks of the creek, and no general in his right mind would have their headquarters there. So the consensus is that the pool house was mislabeled as the head house. If this is correct, then the home would also serve as a hospital during the siege of Atlanta. Now, the carriage house for the Cascade Mansion sits so far in the distance, you'd never guess at what it was. So as we stood on the side of Dodson Drive and looked behind us way through the trees, Colonel Perry pointed out um, kind of an old outline of the road, um, that that's where the road used to run, and then a structure that now sits on someone else's property. But it really gives you the idea of how large this property was, but also just kind of a vision of how it was in 1860, you know, how big this land was, how rural. So someone would be traveling down the country road, it would get to your carriage house, and then you'd kind of have to send to the main house. This home is gorgeous. It certainly looks like what you think an antebellum or a southern mansion should look like, which, you know, is large white columns and a really inviting front porch. Inside, Perry has amazing pieces of antique furniture. One room has pieces from 1860, and the other has this long, low couch that, as he explained, was designed specifically for women to use with their giant hoop skirts. There's also a 1920s telephone, the first to be installed probably in the area, and there's a smaller room in the back that serves as the lieutenant colonel's map room. If you want to understand Civil War battles and where they were or took place in current-day Atlanta, this is the place you want to be. There are bullets he found on the property, as well as there are other random Civil War photography, memorabilia. I mean, there's just a lot of information in this small room. I think the highlight for possibly the men in the group, I'm not the biggest gun fan, was he has an actual Civil War rifle with the accompanying bayonet. Um, And if I can tell this story correctly, I think one side had these rifles and they were so great The other side purchased them, but he gave us a little demonstration and took it out and put it together. Now, you can rent um, some of the spaces leased on the first floor of the house for events. I know there are Civil War historic groups that do so and, and other organizations as well. The Cascade Mansion was later purchased um, by Dixie Stevens, I think maybe in the 50s and 60s. And she was a huge Atlanta arts proponent and leader of the Save the Fox movement. This is actually the person that Colonel Perry remembers as a child. He used to come to the property with his Boy Scout troop and meeting the unique Miss Stevens. Colonel Perry purchased the house Dixie had left, an original program from the Gone with the Wind Atlanta premiere. So he brought that out for us. That was a special treat for us all to see. 
The second home that we saw that day was arguably the most special. It's the oldest house inside Atlanta city limits. It does not look exactly as it did when it was built, but with a little imagination, it's really easy to envision it in 1840. Joseph Willis owned a gristmill in the area, and a gristmill is where you brought your dried corn, and it would be ground into cornmeal, and you could also get grits from it. And the mill was easily converted to saw lumber, which was really financially beneficial to be able to be so flexible. Willis built his log cabin at the spot, now listed as 1571 Willis Mill Road, to house his large family. He and his wife, Elizabeth Leslie, and she went by Eliza, would have 10 children. Now, Eliza passes in 1859, and he'd go on to marry Sarah Strickland, and they have three more children. And if you've seen this house, you're like, where did they put everybody? <laughs> it always reminds me of my dad's family. Um, there was seven kids and two adults. And in Spain, I remember their house had three bedrooms. So as a little kid, when I would go there, I'm like, I don't get it. Where did you guys sleep? Um, and then they moved to New York and they had two bedrooms. So, you know, sometimes you just make it work. This home, again, if you've driven by or seen the photo that I'm going to post, it does not look like a log cabin. When we visited, we got to go underneath the house and see its original footprint. Our guide, who is actually a tenant in the home, helped me notice that in the original floor joists, which are identifiable by the irregular saw marks, so you can see which were the first boards put down. It was really cool. A little scary, a little creepy, but really cool down there. And the home was designed to have two sections. So it's almost like two different mini houses connected by a breezeway. That was just the design at the time. At a later point, the entire home is enclosed, and then it's not until after World War II that the house is covered in stucco, which is what you would see today. Joseph Willis's famous quote was that he lived in Henry, DeKalb, and Fulton County, but he never moved once. So that's how old his house is. The counties have formed and morphed all around him, and he's never moved. As I hope you guys realize by now, for this home to have survived the war, it almost certainly acted as hospital or headquarters. The Joseph Willis House was used by Brigadier General Jacob Cox, who was a commander during the Siege of Atlanta. What makes this home extra exciting from a historical perspective is that the Willis family stayed during the war and the battle. And this is something that if I had read it, I would not have been able to really grasp what that meant or what that would have looked like. But inside the Willis house is a glass curio cabinet and two shelves are filled to the brim with bullets found on the property. And I have a photo posted on the website for you guys because this is really mind-blowing. There's actually two bullets that had collided mid-air. When I say, you know, okay, we stayed during the war, the amount of bullets that were flying during the battles, it's almost mind-blowing to think that civilians were staying there. When I say the house is being used by a general, where did the family go? And that's when something called a bomb-proof comes in. Imagine the footprint of a small shed, a really small shed, and three families are huddled in there, and your roof is made of kind of like branches, leaves, and trees, basically forming a camouflage mound in the back of the house where everybody would huddle during heavy fighting. And, drumroll, this thing is still there. Obviously not the leafy cover part, but the footprint is still there. 
Um, what Colonel Perry did is by reading diary accounts and then historical accounts of the distance and what it looked like, identified that the, where the bomb proof was and that it's still there. I wish I could reenact the level of nerding out that was occurring for me at that moment. Um, it was amazing to sort of stand in this spot where these families had really huddled for their lives more than 150 years ago. I have a photo of this um, and there's a drawing of what the bomb proof would have looked like in 1864, so I'll post that for you guys as well. Also on the property are several trees, but one in particular is called a signal tree. To give you my very layperson explanation, many taller trees were used by the signal corps, and pretty much they'd build a ladder or steps into the base of the tree to get to the top to, you know, send signals. Um, so this tree on the Willis house, they know is a signal tree because it has those ladder or step remnants into the tree base. Another cool story, during the war, the hospital was behind this home and operating there as a surgeon was Mary Edwards Walker. Dr. Mary Walker earned her medical degree in Syracuse, New York, and volunteered with the Union Army at the start of the Civil War. She was captured by Confederate forces after crossing enemy lines to treat the wounded, and during the Battle of Atlanta, she was performing life-saving work basically in the backyard of the Willis House. For her efforts, she's the only woman to ever be awarded the Medal of Honor and one of only eight civilians. So there you have it, the very short story of the Cascade Mansion and the home of Joseph Willis. If you'd like to take a tour with Lieutenant Colonel Bennett, send me a message. I'm going to see if I can share his contact information with you guys. This was one of my favorite tours that I've ever done. Beware, you may be there a little late, but we enjoyed ourselves. I think we started talking about ghost stories towards the end. Um, my information is always in the show notes, so you can email me or contact me through social media. Thank you, everyone, for listening, sharing with me how much you're enjoying the podcast, sharing this with your friends and family. Remember to go see these things. So if you go drive by these houses, um, safely get a photo, please share them with me. I hope everyone has a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next week.